So wow, that was incredible, wasn't it? So well done, the well done choir and uh, well done orchestra. You've done a, a wonderful job. And uh, I want to assure you that I'm not going to sing. Um, singing's not a spiritual gift of mine. So I was sitting down there, I thought maybe I should have put it to music and got the choir to sing it for me. That would have been, that would have been wonderful. But I, I trust uh, you have enjoyed uh, the performance so far. But do you know what makes this uh, performance even more marvelous? It's the story that it tells. What was presented uh, unfolded the greatest story ever written, that being the redemption of mankind from sin. And the main character is the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you picked that up. Now I wonder, how, how do you feel about all this talk about Jesus? All of this music, all of this song about him, what, what are you thinking right now? Now how do you respond? How do you react to Jesus? My friends, this is one of life's most important questions. What will you do with Jesus? Now, there are many different reactions to Jesus, and that's not unexpected. We humans can respond and react very differently to the exact same message. Let's say we all work for the same company, and the boss informs us on the 1st of December that everybody must work every Saturday and every Sunday leading up to Christmas. In his grace, he says he'll pay double time, but there will be no exceptions. And so serious was the boss that he said he would fire all who refused. We've all been given the same message, but there would be different responses. This could be very good news if you were strapped for cash. You needed a bit of extra money for Christmas. This would be a timely injection into your pockets. You know, there would be others who would be quite unmoved. It doesn't change much for them. They don't need the money and they didn't have any plans. And then there would be the group who's furious because they have already made extensive plans and now these are all ruined. So there would be mixed reactions, mixed responses toward the boss. And this is the same with Jesus. There are many different responses, that there are many different reactions toward him and his gospel. People throughout the world respond very differently. And the reactions vary in extreme from great love to great hostility and just about everything in between. There's a broad spectrum of reactions and this has always been the case. You know, in the Christmas story, you're probably familiar with what is known as the three wise men. And we read of their tale in Matthew chapter 2. Okay, if you have a Bible, it'd be great for you to open there. And in Matthew chapter 2, okay, we read of these wise men. I don't want to ruin Christmas for you, but it probably wasn't three. That's just what we tend to think. Okay, but in this account, we find three different responses to Jesus. And I would suggest that all of us here tonight fit into one of these three categories. And the question that you need to answer, the question you'll be faced with this afternoon is this. What category are you in? How are you responding to Jesus? So let's determine the three different responses. The first response 
is hostility. It's hostility. You know, when you think and hear about Jesus, when you hear about what we call the gospel, do, do you get a little bit hot under the collar? Do you think that all of this talk about Jesus and Christianity, to you it's, it's just nonsense? And you're quite hostile to its claims. Or you seek to aggressively oppose and deconstruct Jesus and the Christian faith. So to, to you it's, it's just foolishness. This concept of God, it's so absurd. Does that describe you? Is that how you think? Well, this certainly existed when Jesus was born. Okay, the Bible introduces to us a ruler named Herod. Herod's an historical figure, so this tells us this, this happened. Okay, this is true. And if you read history, Herod was, we could call, a very unsavory character. He wasn't a very nice guy. If you had a Christmas card list, you would have crossed his name off. Because this is what he had done. He killed even his own wife and his sons out of paranoia. Okay, he believed they were conspiring against him. Okay, this man, he's riddled with insecurities. And he's completely depraved. And he was furious when these wise men arrived. And they asked him, well, where's the newborn king? Where's the king of the Jews? You know, we could think of this man, Herod, as the first Christmas Grinch. And, you know, this seeking a king was fuel chucked on his fire of insecurities. Because understand, if this is true, that that one was born, that meaning they were a rightful heir to the throne. And understand, Jesus was. Okay, Jesus is a rightful heir to the throne of David. Then this was a real threat. Herod knew that there wasn't room for two kings. There was only room for one. And hence Herod filled with hatred, fulfilled with rage. We're told in verse 3 that he was troubled. Okay, this means to be deeply agitated. Picture the ocean. Okay, the ocean that has been stirred up by ferocious winds. Okay, that's what Herod looked like on the inside. And he was determined to exterminate this potential threat. And he developed a deceitful and deplorable plan. He, he posed as someone who wanted to worship Jesus. He's like, hey, wise man, can, can you let me know where Jesus is? Because I really want to go and worship him. But later in the narrative, okay, we see his real intentions. He, he developed a despicable plan. He, he went and killed all the children born at that time in the area of Bethlehem, endeavoring to extinguish Jesus. Now, most decent human beings would be horrified by that behavior, and rightly so. And yet, I wonder if you are filled with hatred and hostility toward Jesus. You don't need to kill people to possess these attitudes. So is this you? You don't believe that Jesus exists. You think that's ludicrous. You believe that that's fairy tale nonsense propagated by weak and hopeless people like me. You can't fathom why people believe it. If this is you, I'd like to thank you for being here. I'm glad you're in attendance. Because the Bible has some interesting things to say that relate to you directly. 
And perhaps that's a little surprising to you. But you, you deny that God exists. You, you would identify yourself as an atheist. But here's the thing. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that you do know that God exists. Because that is how God has designed you. But, but you suppress the truth. You, you push it deeper and deeper. You ignore it. You seek to drown it out. But, but it's still there. You possess a God consciousness even if it's very faint. Why keep suppressing it? Why do you aggressively oppose it? Well, I like to suggest that like Herod, you understand that if there's a God, like the Bible says, and if this God has made you, that means you're accountable to him and that terrifies you. Because you want to be autonomous. You want to sit on the throne of your life. You don't want Jesus on the throne. Okay, there are some similarities between you and Herod. And hence I ask you, why continue in your hostility toward Jesus? Why suppress your God consciousness? What if the Bible is right and you are wrong? Okay, because here's the thing. You take pride in thinking that you're not religious. Okay, I'm not religious. I don't have faith. I don't believe in miracles. But you know what? That's not true. Because we all do. We all do. But the question is, what do you believe? And where is your faith placed? Okay, because the atheist, you have faith that God doesn't exist. You believe in the miracle that this whole world just randomly appeared out of nothing. In fact, in many ways, you need greater faith than I do. It's much easier to believe in the existence of the God of the Bible. So the question for you is this. Okay, deep down, the Bible tells us that you know God exists. Question is, will you be humble and admit that you're wrong? Will you, will you embrace Jesus Christ? And you know, this is the wonderful thing about Jesus. He'll forgive you. He, he will accept you. But you must forsake your hostility and receive him. Because if you don't in this life, if you don't surrender to Jesus in this life, one day you will bow the knee. One day you will. But then it will be too late. Don't continue to be hostile like Herod. The second response is indifference, is indifference. You know, upon hearing of the birth of the king of the Jews, Herod, he immediately summons the religious leaders. We, we read of this in verse 4, and he asks them a question, where Christ should be born? Okay, where, where, where is this Christ? Is it here in Jerusalem? Is it somewhere else? And what's interesting is that it was answered instantly. Okay, that this was simple Bible trivia for them. And in verse 5, they inform Herod that the Bible teaches that the Christ, that the Messiah, that the one who has been sung about, he would be born in Bethlehem. Okay, and they were referencing Micah 5.2, written some 700 years before the birth of Christ, and it predicts the exact place he was born. That's amazing. But what's very sad is that these religious leaders, these scribes, they, they knew their Bible back to front and inside out. 
and yet they never went to Bethlehem. Have you ever thought about that? That They never went to Bethlehem. It's only about 10 kilometers away. That's not far. And they knew everything that the Bible said about Messiah. Okay, that the whole Jewish people, you need to understand, they longed for Messiah. And yet here are the religious folk that they didn't go to Bethlehem. They knew everything about it, but they never accepted or embraced it. They were indifferent. And I wonder if this describes you. You know what the Bible says. You, you know the story of Jesus, how he was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, performed amazing miracles, died on the cross for sin, arose again on the third day. You could sit a Bible exam and get quite a good mark, and yet you remain unmoved. You've never embraced Jesus as Savior. Why is that? Well, perhaps like these religious leaders, you think you're, you're moral enough. Brendan, I, I'm, I'm a good person. So, so this talk of Jesus dying for sin, that, that seems very unnecessary. And in fact, it's actually a little bit offensive. But because surely I would be permitted into heaven. I've worked hard. I paid my taxes. I've done lots of good deeds. I've been involved in charity. I've never committed a crime. I've helped my neighbor. In fact, I'm a better person than some Christians I've met. And you think you, you have quite a quality catalog that advertises all your goodness. It's like, look at this good deed. Turn the page. Look at this good deed. Look at this good deed. Look at this good deed. And hence, why would I need Jesus? Well, here's the thing. God demands perfection. Perfection. And you can't do that. And neither can I. Because the Bible teaches that we're born sinners and then we sin by choice. Each and every one of us, we have rebelled against God, our creator. We've committed treason against him. And the Bible is very clear that all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Doesn't get much clearer than that. My friend, that's the one thing that unites us all. We're all sinners. Okay, and on our heavenly report card, okay, we have F's. We have failures in every category. Under truth, there's a big red F because you lie. Under morality, there's a big red F because you've had many impure thoughts. Under coveting, there's another big red F because you've been jealous. Under anger, there's another big red F because we've all been angry. And we could go through every category and you have failed every single one. Meaning this disqualifies you from entering heaven. Okay? You, you cannot be made right with God because of your sin. And that is why you need Jesus. Because he passed it all in our place, my friend. Jesus has no F's on his report card. And furthermore, he went to the cross to die for all of your F's. But my friend, you cannot just be aware of these things. Okay, mere knowledge isn't enough. Satan knows about all of this. But you must personally receive and believe Jesus and the gospel. 
And unfortunately, there will be lots of people, just like these religious leaders who, who know the Bible, but in that indifference, don't know Jesus personally, have never accepted him as their personal Lord and Savior. Don't be one of those people. And the third response is worship. Is worship. You know, these wise men from the east, likely Babylon, okay, they weren't Jews. And yet they were the ones who responded appropriately. They actually went to Bethlehem and they found Jesus. And in verse 10, we read that they worshipped him. That they fell down on their faces and they worshipped this small child. That they gave him gold, they gave him frankincense, they gave him myrrh. Okay, these men, they understood that Jesus was God. That's why they worshipped. And this, my friend, is the only appropriate response. Especially for us, because we know the rest of the story. You know, this babe in the manger that we focus on at Christmas, he didn't take the throne from Herod. He didn't overthrow Rome. But rather, he lived the perfect life that we never could. He performed many miracles, proving to us that he is God. Who else can do the things that Jesus did? And he went to the cross. And understand that, that the cross is not some tragic accident. But this was always God's plan. Okay, for there, Jesus died for the sin of mankind. He, he was punished in your place and in mine. He, he was what we call a substitute. And, and there on the cross, he had God's righteous wrath poured out upon him. And my friend, he took every last drop. And he could do this because he's God. And, and he could die because he's man. But not only did Jesus die, on the third day he rose again. And understand the resurrection, that's God's stamp of approval. The work was enough. The work was complete. Salvation has been purchased. And now Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven because he's completed the work. And my friend, for us, worship is the only appropriate response. How can we not worship Jesus in light of who he is and all that he has done? So my question for you is this. What group are you in? Are you hostile? Are you indifferent? Or are you worshipping? My friend, please understand that Jesus was born to die for our sin. That's why he came. We as man have rebelled against God. We rebelled against our creator. Natural man, we're wicked, we're depraved. Great is our sin and our sin separates us from God. And in of ourselves, we're completely unable to do anything about it. Only Jesus can deal with it. And he did that at the cross. And the Bible says that if you repent of your sin, that, that means if you acknowledge, hey, I, I, I'm a sinner. I have sinned against God. And you turn from your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning that you are confident that he is God. And that his death on the cross is sufficient to deal with your sin. Then you will be saved. And that is the only way. This is the gift of God that he offers 
to all. My friend, we're all faced with a choice. People will respond differently to Jesus. But understand there are ultimately two responses and two only. Receive Jesus or reject Jesus. What will it be for you? There's no neutral ground. And I pray that you will receive Jesus and accept the gracious gift of salvation. Because if you receive him, he will receive you. But if you reject him, he will reject you. My friend, the choice is yours. Please choose wisely. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the glorious gospel message. Thank you that you've provided a way for sinners like us to be saved. And oh Lord, I do pray that if there be one here tonight that has never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal savior, Lord, I pray you'd be working in their heart even now. And Lord, I pray they would have the courage to seek someone out and, and talk about these things further. This is the most important decision that mankind is faced with. Will, will we receive Jesus or will we reject Jesus? That there's eternal consequences riding on that decision. So Lord, it's, it's our desire that our people will be saved. And may that happen tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen.